I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome along to the La Liga Lowdown podcast. My name is Ruri Barlow. I'm joined by Roman de Arquer. We've got a good show coming up for you. We're going to be discussing the Copa del Rey and the lack of shocks, it has to be said. And we're going to be discussing this upcoming Spanish Supercopa as well. And there was a much-awaited debut for Real Madrid as well. But first of all, Roman, Happy New Year. This is your first appearance of 2024. How are you doing? And did you have a good festive period? Happy New Year to you and to all our listeners. Uh, definitely enjoyed some time off to, to rest a bit, but uh, now back in business. And I thought I really did miss football until I saw Barca play this Copa del Rey game and the one they played before in La Liga, which haven't been <laughs> as good as I'd hoped after that little break. Yes, it uh, made you realise that your appetite wasn't quite what it was. Um, (laughs) I'll just run through quickly the Copa del Rey results from the round of 32 before we kind of get going. Lugo were beaten by Atletico Madrid 3-1. Memphis Depay with a brace after Lugo had equalised. Tafe beat Espanyol, both those games on Friday night. Girona beat Elche 2-0. Rayo Vallecano 2, Cuesca 0. Alaves beat Betis in what perhaps is... Perhaps going to be the shock of the round, or there is one more potentially to come. Arandina were put out by Real Madrid, but I'm Diaz scoring, assisting, um, and winning the penalty for Hoslu um, in that victory. Celta Vigo beat Amorabieta 4 2 in a much needed victory. Mallorca beat Burgos 3 0. Sevilla beat Racing Ferrol 2 1. Um, in extremis, Osasuna beat Castellón 1-0 after extra time. Vieira Unionistas de Salamanca has been suspended because the lights were out and Salamanca weren't particularly happy about that. They felt that there was enough light for them to continue playing, but that will have to be rearranged. Valencia beat Cartagena after extra time. Gaia with the winner there. Athletic beat Ibar 3-0. Barcelona really made life difficult for themselves against Barbastro, winning 3-2. Eventually, I mean, Fermin Lopez, Rafinha and Lewandowski scored, but they conceded um, to have one goal in it for about the last half hour. And Real Sociedad also beat Malaga away from home at La Rosaleda 1-0 with an own goal. Tenerife are the kind of shock of the round if this does come off. They're 2-0 up on Las Palmas as we speak. Um, it's the final game of the round and it finishes about midnight. Um, but yeah, in the in the 
Canary Islands derby that could be could be a bit of a shock there but but yeah Roman I don't know if you have much to pick out from that but it has to be said over this round we're looking at a round of 16 after this game where it's all going to be La Liga sides unless Tenerife can get the job done. Yeah as you mentioned uh, maybe a lack of shocks uh, we could say so far uh, this season in the Copa del Rey I mean there have been some tough games for example for Sasuna who had to go deep into uh, extra time to get past Castellón and win uh, 1-0. Sevilla did suffer a bit in that game against Racing Ferrol. Uh, even Celta de Vigo, who ended up winning 4-2, were 2-1 down at a certain stage of that game. So, I mean, uh, we could also mention, of course, the Barça-Barbastro game, uh, which wasn't an easy one in the end for Barça. I mean, all these games, there were uh, certain moments where the weaker sides did, you know, have their opportunities and, and look a bit stronger. And, I mean, it could have gone both ways. But in the end, I guess the experience and quality of of the teams uh, from uh, higher divisions uh, managed to pull through and as you said we have to wait and see what happens with uh, Las Palmas Tenerife where Tenerife are 2-0 up but I mean yeah not too many surprises and the moment the stronger sides are, are pulling through to the next rounds. And just kind of on that shock I mean we know the format has been changed to ensure that the bigger sides are kind of seeded through the Supercopa teams didn't join until this round um, they play away from home at the kind of smaller sides, the regional, the Primera Ref sides. So they, they do get kind of a little bit of magic. I mean, Arandina and Barbastro, they will get unforget unforgettable experiences from this and they will get a bit of a payday because they'll fill out their stadiums um, and everyone will kind of come down to see Real Madrid. The players get the shirts. Everyone's kind of happy with this format, but from a neutral perspective, does it kind of lose a bit of the magic? Or, or am I being kind of taking too many conclusions of a small sample size, Roman? Well, I mean, personally, I, I like this new format. I think it's much more dynamic. Uh, it, it tended to be quite boring to see, you know, two-leg games against weaker sides because mostly there weren't any shocks. And if there was shock in one of the two games and the other game, the big team had usually uh, the opportunity to turn it around and it, and it tended to happen. And it's true that this season we haven't seen too many shocks. The biggest one maybe being Cadiz getting knocked out against Arandina in the previous round, something like that. I'm not sure if I'm missing another one. But yeah, it hasn't been surprising. Last season, if I don't remember badly, there weren't too many either. Uh, but I mean, in previous seasons, I mean, it hasn't been going on for too long. But I think the first season, for example, it, it took place uh, with this new format. There were some nice surprises. And I mean... Playing at home against a big team, you said it, is, is not just an opportunity for the clubs to, to have the fans enjoy a great game, but I mean, it's also a good chance for them to, to get a win. I mean, it's it's tough playing in some of these stadiums where the field or the pitch isn't maybe uh, in excellent conditions. But I, th I saw the Barca game just now, it's a good example where the ball was bouncing quite a lot. You could tell that uh, it wasn't maybe as easy for them to play. And in the end, you know, Barbastro were there and they could have... Uh, easily got an equalizer, the 2-2 result, and who knows what would have happened. And as, as I said before, other games also were were quite close and could have gone either way, but in the end this season it didn't happen for the weaker sides. But I think in the future we will see uh, more shocks and we will see more exciting moments. And I personally, I, I, li I like so far how the Copa del Rey has, has been reconfigured. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think it's definitely better than the two-legged ties that we had before because the yeah, the ability for the smaller size to sustain a shock over two legs is, is very, very low. But but yeah, it would be nice just to kind of feel like there's more of an opportunity because I feel like you get less of those runs where the likes of kind of Rayo or Mirandez could kind of 
draw their way through to the to the semi-finals or the quarter-finals. You had a few more ties getting to those later rounds, but uh, but yeah, it's de- it's definitely an improvement on a previous one. And given the kind of financial side of it, given the way it is, it, it just seems like it's it's here to stay and it satisfies enough people and enough people in power, especially, um, to ensure that it will stay. Um, one of the shocks, it was a first division tie against two first division teams kind of going off against each other, but Alaves beating Betis 1-0, Christian Benavide with the singular goal in that match and a really scrappy goal, it has to be said as well. Comes after Betis have uh, just been beaten two one by Celta in La Liga. Bit of a sloppy start to the year for Manuel Pellegrini's side, and uh, and yeah, not exactly what they wanted. But but yeah, is there maybe a silver lining for Betis here, given how short their squad is, given that they've such a thin defence that they can now focus on Europe and La Liga. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't been an easy season for Betis. I think at the moment, I mean, they have they've had. Better moments, ups and downs, we could say, but uh, in the end, you know, um, they have they have been struggling for me, and this game against Alaves is a bit of a reflection of that. Uh, that the team maybe is missing some players. We we know that important players did leave. Uh, there have been injuries uh, this season. Fakir, of course, being one of the uh, most relevant ones, and I mean, I guess Pellegrini probably didn't get maybe get the f- the full squad he would have liked to start the season off. Uh, but still, somehow they're pulling through because taking into account that in La Liga, for example, they've drawn the last. Sorry, they've um, drawn four games and lost one in the last five, and they're still, you know, uh, in seventh position. I think it is in the standings. Um, I mean, it takes credit to see that they have had good moments, but now they're not going through a good patch. You know, they're they're struggling a bit, and I mean, I don't know if this season is going to end up being a bit of a drag for them or if they're going to be capable of, of reacting that's the big question here so we have to see what Pellegrini is capable of if the players uh, really f- have it in them to keep fighting it's true that they're going to get rid of a competition which they usually want to fight for but at least they can focus I guess as you said more on, on European competitions and and more on on La Liga where they obviously want to aspire to qualify for Europe so we'll have to see how this uh, ends up going for them. Yeah, there's a few teams that perhaps in that kind of middle to upper section of La Liga who are kind of pushing for Europe and, and that Copa del Rey kind of always comes as sometimes a welcome distraction because it can really get you quite far. You look at Osasuna um, who ended up kind of qualifying but had mm-hmm. kind of a really great run but um, but yeah, the likes of, of Betis and, and Real Sociedad, who, who are pretty thin now, especially with the likes of Sadiq and Takegubo going away for Real Sociedad, their squads are going to be really tested over the month of January and, and February as Europe comes back as well. Um, just before we kind of wrap up the first half of the show, the second half we're going to kind of dedicate mostly to the Copa del Rey, Copa del Rey uh, not even the Copa del Rey, the Spanish Supercopa, which will be played in Saudi Arabia semi-finals in midweek on Wednesday and Thursday. But Arda Guler finally made his debut for Real Madrid. It's been much awaited. He played an hour against Arandina and he was pretty good. He, he hit the woodwork with a free kick. He created a good few chances and was probably one of the brighter sparks for them. Um, I think he's an interesting one because Real Madrid have been putting up highlights of his training sessions all season whenever he's been fit and he has been doing some pretty remarkable stuff but there's been a lot of kind of pressure on him and I, if if I was Ancelotti and I can see Ancelotti 
doing so, depending on just how good Goulart's been is or will be. I can see him kind of easing him in very, very gently, can't you? Yeah, um, definitely. I think we saw that in that game he has a lot of quality. Of course, he wasn't playing one of the tougher opponents he will face uh, during the season. We'll still have to see how he can perform at the highest level. But uh, he definitely gave some uh, really good moments uh, for Real Madrid. You can tell there's there's a lot of quality there. There's uh, talent. And I mean, we'll have to see if Ancelotti really finds a spot for him to have enough minutes because, I mean, a player of his age does need to play in the end, you know. And the big question is whether he'll find, as you said, a way to get him into the squad and give him minutes or whether at the end of the season they'll realize that maybe they have to loan him out or, or something like that to, for him to have actually have a good opportunity of developing. Because as we said, players at such a young age for me uh, need the minutes, you know. They, they can't just stay sitting down the bench like Pablo Torre last season with, with Barca, you know. He wasn't playing at all and for me that was kind of disappointing, not even with the B team, which I thought would be probably beneficial for him so I mean we'll have to we'll have to yeah keep an eye out for Guler because there's definitely quality there uh, Barca were also trying to to get him and back in the days and even I remember some reports saying it was practically a done deal and in the end he went to Real Madrid <laughs> and now uh, he's got to prove himself there yeah I feel Barcelona might regret not getting that <laughs> one over the line down the line um, and and yeah it's interesting I mean Rodrigo and Benicius are obviously favourites to occupy those top two spots in the in the kind of side and then Bellingham's always going to play as the kind of the third um, force in that front line. Then you've got Hoslu Mato and obviously Brian Diaz competing as well. I mentioned Brian at the top of the show. It's interesting at the start of the season I remember covering kind of rumours that Real Madrid or Brian might be kind of loaned out or moved on pretty swiftly because Arda Guler was there and he was going to kind of take up his minutes and stuff. But Brahim over the last couple of months, in eight starts, he has uh, seven goal contributions, four goals and three assists. He's been a kind of surprising boost, I think, for this Real Madrid side after a really kind of slow start, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's uh, been the talent we thought he could be. We, we saw him in Italy. We've seen him in other inferior categories with the national team in Spain. And he's always shown plenty of, of good stuff and, and seemed like a player that it could really uh, be maybe a superstar at some point. We'll see if that actually ends up happening. But he definitely has has a lot of quality and he's now proving at Real Madrid that is giving him that confidence uh, he needed. And he's definitely going to be helpful for them for the rest of the season and he's going to keep coming out from the bench or even starting certain games and, and providing. I think it's he's a great player to have as, as an alternative you know, for, for certain games. Yes, and we'll see what kind of impact he has in the Spanish Supercopa, which we will discuss in the second half of the show. We'll be back in just a moment, so don't go anywhere. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to part two of the La Liga Loden show. My name is Rudy Barlow. I'm joined by Roman de Arquer. The big talking point this week, I mean, we've got a Basque derby coming up as well at the weekend. It's going to be very kind of confusing to shift gears. But on Wednesday, there is a Madrid derby. Atletico face Real Madrid in the Wednesday night game. Osasuna will take on Barcelona in the Thursday night game, the two semi-finals and the final to be played on Sunday. Atleti, it has to be said, not coming into this great game in kind of great shakes. I mean, they struggled a little bit against Lugo. We saw them kind of really taken apart by Girona in that first half. And even even in that second, Girona still had access to their goal, even as, as good as Morata was. And it's their away form that's been the issue. I mean, four straight away defeats for the first time in Simeone's era. I think Matt Clark mentioned that on the Sunday night. Do we count this as kind of a, an away game? or does it, I mean, it's a neutral ground. It's going to be against Real Madrid. But they're going to have to show a little bit more solidity against this Real Madrid side, aren't they, Roman? Yeah, for their, own, for their own sake, they need this to not feel like an away game somehow. Uh, because if not, uh, perspective or hopes aren't going to be up. Because, as you said, they haven't been doing well away from home. It's something they've really been struggling with uh, so far this season. Thankfully, at home, they're doing a good job because uh, that's what's keeping them up, basically, uh, in that fight, we could say, or the top uh, part of the standings. And, I mean, they're going to face Real Madrid, which, for me, are kind of the same as they always are. You know, a team that doesn't play (laughs) stunning, incredible football, but still gets results, and they have the players to do so. And even if they're having a bad day in the Supercopa, they can just get Lucas Vázquez to score a header in the 90th minute, you know, so... Um, Atletico are going to have to be really inspired, play at their best. I mean, they have the quality, they have the players. Uh, if they can play like they have in in most games, and especially in home games, I mean, they'll definitely put up a fight against Real Madrid and, and anything can happen there, you know. And I think being a, a one-legged match in a neutral ground, it, it opens that possibility of, of making it more unpredictable than ever. But uh, Real Madrid are always a tough team. They're getting the results, as I said. They have the confidence, they have the players. And they have the experience in the manager, so uh, we'll have to see uh, how Atletico or how Chol- El Cholo Simeone uh, is capable of planning out this one and, and reacting to whatever Madrid propose. Yeah, does Cholo need to tweak it? Because I mean, I remember watching kind of this Atleti side down the stretch last season. There was no pressure on them, but they were winning a lot of games and they were defending pretty well during that stretch. And this season, 
they've been playing really good football. They've been scoring a lot of goals. I think it's 23 goals in 10 games at home. It's about 16 or 17 and 9 away from home, which kind of, that that's kind of an insight into, they've still been kind of conceding goals at home, but they've been outscoring their opponents. We tend to say that defences kind of win leagues or win tournaments. Cholo is famed for his defence. If he's not getting the goal, the kind of defence that he needs out of this, is it worth him kind of tweaking things? Does he need to change again? Or is it kind of stick to it and kind of improve their system? I think they have to stick to it. I mean, at this point, changing things I think is too risky. Clearly, they don't have the defence they've had other seasons, so they're, they're not as reliable in that aspect as they have been. And on the other hand, as you said, uh, attacking has been working for them. They're scoring goals. They have, uh, they're playing well. I mean, there's games where you, you watch Atletico and it's, it's very entertaining to see them play because they generate a lot in attack. They go forward um, without being afraid, you know, of, of taking certain risks. And they have the players in the end to finish. If Morata's inspired and has a good day, he can score a hat-trick like the other day. Griezmann, obviously, still being one of the best players in La Liga uh, this season, like last, last, last year. And, I mean, plenty of other players that can provide up there so I mean they have to do their thing they have to obviously try and be more solid at the back uh, I guess maybe try and control specific players like maybe Bellingham uh, Rodrigo Vinicius the typical ones that can do more damage somehow try and target them and focus on on not allowing them you know to to f to have that freedom on the pitch and, and, and do their thing so I mean that sense maybe Chola has to work out some defensive uh, tactics but uh, I mean they have to believe in what they're doing uh, keep improving there and I think that's what's going to work best for them and I'm sure they're going to have a uh, put up a good fight against uh, Madrid yeah it'll be interesting watch speaking of defense Ferlon Mendy is set to be back for this game Lucas Vasquez will be out for the Supercopa but obviously Carvajal returned I mean Vinicius Jr returned as well Eduardo Camavinga made his return against Arandina for Real Madrid they're getting a few players back and the selection headaches will begin again for Real Madrid. But it, it's a very different Real Madrid to the side that were beaten 3-1 against Atleti in that first league game. I mean, that game you had the likes of Luka Modric kind of playing off the front and then Hosslu kind of came on towards the end. Modric was hooked at half-time. Ancelotti the other day, it was interesting, he was saying that this that game in the Metropolitan was an eye-opener for them and said that, we worked out that we were really poor defending crosses, so we kind of deepened our central defenders by a couple of metres when the crosses are coming in. We, we made that kind of adjustment, and it has worked wonders for them, despite the fact that they've not had solidity in goal, if they've not had kind of continuity from their back line. This Real Madrid side, I mean, they have a lot more weapons. I guess for me, the thing is, Vinicius, Rodrigo has been informed, Bellingham has been informed, but playing a lot. It's only really rust that I can see kind of getting in the way of this Real Madrid side because they've, they are just finding a way to win games every single time at the minute. They are, they are, and it's something that's uh, always been on their side historically in football. They always find ways, uh, even if you're playing really well against them, you know, they can knock you down at any moment uh, without you expecting it. And as you said, uh, this season, one of the key changes has been their, the defensive aspect where they've really... Uh, been solid. They've only conceded 11 goals in La Liga this season, the best team by far. And um, at the back, there they're tough to beat, you know. Uh, but I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if Atletico score goals. It's a game where I see both teams, you know, having their opportunities. And uh, being a derby, also it always gives it that extra 
unpredictableness we could say so in the end uh, these games sometimes planning them obviously helps but anything can really happen and if you go to extra time uh, it really completely changes uh, what you've been thinking or, or planning all the way through and uh, obviously the physical aspect uh, has an impact players are more tired uh, make more mistakes so I mean We'll have to see how this develops. Hopefully, it's it's not a like one-way game for any side where one scores three 0 and then it's all over. I think it'll be a fight right until the very end. And coming on to that second tie, we'll start with Osasuna, who were really kind of solid and predictable for the last couple of seasons. You kind of knew what they were getting, what you were getting from them, and they're not doing too badly this season in La Liga. I mean, they're still kind of very much where they want to be in twelfth place. They're a good seven points off the relegation zone. They're about ten points off the European places, but six should the Copa del Rey winner be in the European places. So they're kind of in and about it. They are where they are, but there's not quite that same sense of solidity for for me with this Osasuna side. And you saw that kind of in the Copa del Rey. They really struggled to break down that Castellon side, although they did hit the post quite a few times. Um, against San Maria, kind of when they came back from for La Liga. Again, 1-0 win, but not the most convincing before uh, the Christmas break. They were beaten 3-2 by Real Mallorca. This Osasuna side, it seems the opposite of Real Madrid to be incapable of defending crosses right now. And uh, and yeah, Diego Barasate still doing a good job, but perhaps not as reliable as we think of this as this Osasuna side. Yeah, I mean, it kind of felt it wouldn't be easy for them to maybe keep up the level they'd shown in, in past seasons because, I mean, Osasuna had overperformed, we could say. For many of us, they had been doing incredibly well, shocking us, and, of course, in the Copa del Rey, doing, uh, having such a good run. And keeping that level season after, after season is never easy, you know. And uh, it also felt like not qualifying for Europe uh, this season, getting knocked out, maybe kind of affected the players in a way because it felt like all the hard work they've been play, um, putting... Uh, these last few seasons in the end maybe wasn't for nothing obviously not for nothing but kind of feels like something's missing there no you know and maybe that somehow wasn't a great way to start the season and could have maybe had a certain impact in the motivation of the players this season i don't know something that the manager definitely will know better than us and on the other hand as again sasuna are going to put up a fight you know they're this team that despite maybe not being at their best against barca in a one-legged game uh, they're going to be very rocky at the back, I feel. It's good. They're going to have their counterattacks. We know that Barca is very vulnerable. Uh, in fact, today with the Barbastro match, it's been 20 games where Barca have only won uh, by at least <laughs> by only by one goal, which is pretty impressive. So, I mean, Barca never win easy anyway. So, Osasuna are going to get a shot there. Uh, they also had a pretty tough game in La Liga this season. Barca against Osasuna, where they won 2-1. There was an off, a sending off right at the end and a penalty that gave Barca the three points, but that also could have gone anyway, so it's going to be uh, a very tight one, and I honestly don't expect too many goals, to be honest. Just before we nip on to Barcelona, if there's one kind of area of this Osasuna team, or one player even for Osasuna, that can really cause Barcelona problems, what would you kind of put that down to? I mean, Aymar Aroth, Ante Budimir has been really scoring goals when he's had the chances. Where would you say they can threaten Barcelona? Well, in, in terms of players, um, there hasn't been maybe been a, such a, a standout as there has been in other seasons. Uh, but of course, they have those kind of players that can 
always appear. Bully made it his head. He's been doing pretty well for them uh, in attack offensively. Chimi Avila, we all know that he's a, a very talented player in attack and he can also provide a lot to the counter-attacks. Aymar Roth has been proven to be a very important player for Sassuna in these last few seasons f coming out uh, from the inferior categories. And, you know, also at the back, remember David Garcia and Catena last season had phenomenal seasons with their clubs and they looked like they could even maybe have their opportunities in the national team. In fact, David Garcia did uh, play for the Spanish side. But this season, I guess, they haven't found you know that reliability at the back and they're not as strong as they used to be. But I think the key for Sasuna is closing down really well, really tight. That's what they tend to do uh, positively in most games. And then from there on, find the pace they have from players that can quickly build up those counters. And, and we know that Barca defensively is very vulnerable and there are going to be spaces there are going to be opportunities even crosses can be a problem coming in towards Budemir so I think there are different things they can exploit in this one and coming on to Barcelona there is one element of their team that they did not have when they faced Osasuna last time and that is Peter Roque or Roque as, uh, as the Brazilians pronounce it um, and we should probably too um, he's had three very very good chances it has to be said um since he arrived and i kind of liked the movement that i've seen i mean he looks quick he looks quite agile and sharp at getting behind the defense but if there's one thing that barcelona needs regardless of kind of what comes before it it is finishing i mean Lewandowski's not been great in front of goal lately and Roque, it's gonna it won't take long for this to start kind of weighing on his mind but what have you kind of seen from him so far well, um, to be honest, um, there's been a lot of hype regarding Vitor Roque here in Barcelona, like uh, new Brazilian talent, etc. I haven't seen much. Uh, I've saw obviously highlights and stuff and certain moments of games. And honestly, I don't feel that same hype everybody does. Uh, I still think he has a lot to prove. And in these first two, two games, there hasn't been an opportunity to see too much, honestly. In the first game, he did come on second half. There were a lot... A lot of more spaces in that match so I think Vitor came in a moment of the game where it was easier to you know find find those movements you you mentioned and find those spaces and of course he had those uh, a couple of good opportunities in that one and then in another one against uh, Barbastro and he did miss those opportunities and a couple of those were pretty pretty clear so it isn't great I guess to come on board uh, knowing that Barca is struggling to score and then you're already uh, involved in that problem so, I mean, it's soon, obviously, to, to, to say or to, to have an opinion on whether Vitor Roque uh, can be an important player for us. Hopefully, he will be. Uh, he's found those positions, which, of course, is already a, a positive to be there. Uh, you need to find a way to get there and, of course, to in the end, to score. And hopefully, the goals will come sooner than later. Uh, but I'm hoping those misses don't affect him too much and he can uh, get back to business, which is, of course, scoring goals for him. Yeah, Xavi has been <laughs> desperate to point out that he's just 18, he's just arriving, that we shouldn't ha pile the pressure on him too much. Um, and he's quite right, but uh, but yeah, the more chances he gets and misses, he's almost better off. <laughs> um, I mean, it's better for his game and it's better as kind of a show of his talent that he is getting those chances, but in terms of the pressure and the way that that will kind of build up, it would be almost better if he just didn't have the chance and yeah. <laughs> didn't miss it. Um, but uh, but if a catch-22, because obviously he needs those chances to score. Um, in terms of Barcelona, I mean, how do you see them coming to, into this game? And you mentioned that stat about them not winning by more than one goal. You mentioned, I mean, we've discussed ad nauseum that whatever 
Xavi is seeking doesn't seem to be functioning against Las Palmas. It was almost balls over the top again and again and again, but he, he kind of mentioned they just couldn't execute them, and that was the frustration. Yeah, where do you see Barcelona com coming into this and into the Supercopa overall? I, I want to say they're going to come in like in the first half against Barbastro, and it's going to be a good performance, and they're going to surprise us. But honestly, the second half kind of killed any any hopes, you know, against Barbastro. Barca were again pretty poor, pretty dull, pretty like was lacking creativity. Uh, but the, the game against Las Palmas was the one that really disappointed, I think, many of us, uh, where the team in the first half was absolutely disastrous. Second half, it's, it's the same... It's like the same uh, movie clip again and again where the Barca starts off poorly, the other team scores first, uh, you're already one goal down, struggling, have to come back. You kind of react in the second half, look a bit better, but you're never fully convinced, you know? And this has been going on game after game, and this match against Barca was kind of the opposite. They did start off well, but then disconnected. So, I mean, it's hard to say. Honestly, expectations aren't too high. As I said before, I feel like Osasuna are going to have a good chance here of of getting a, a good result and, and qualifying for the final. Uh, but I do believe that Barca obviously have the talent, have the quality, have the better players. And in the end, uh, Xavi has always had a bit of a of La Flor, we used to say that Zidane had, you know, winning games and have been having a bit of luck. I feel like Xavi does have a bit of that. And in the end, he that's why he gets so many wins by one goal, you know, because Barca just kind of pulled through. And I think Barca are also one of the teams that get more... Uh, goals or positive results in the last seven um, from the 70 75th minute onward in matches so i mean they they tend to react towards the end so i mean of course i think barca can make it and can win but it won't be easy and i'm not expecting them to to come out and and play incredible football because the team has just been struggling too much and i don't know it's hard to say it's hard to find uh, an explanation or or or, or a reason or a way to fix this you know and, and just as we wrap up I mean who would you kind of start in that front three I mean Rafinha seems to have his place assured we assume Lewandowski is going to start as well Ferran Torres scored against Las Palmas and um, I thought he moved pretty well but Joao Felix has had kind of that position to almost lose throughout the season who would you go with in this match I mean it's it's hard to say because Lewandowski hasn't been good at all for a while now, but at the same time, I feel like he needs to start because I think it's a bit too soon to start Vitor Roque and uh, you could put Ferran, as, I guess, as a false nine or a number nine. That would be a possibility, but I think Xavi is going to go for Lewandowski. That's why also he's, he, he rested him at the beginning of the game uh, against Barbastro. Um, and Ferran Torres, you said, he's a guy who, who maybe struggles a bit towards goal, even though he has been scoring, to be honest. So, I mean... The thing is, he gets a lot, a lot of chances, and he doesn't score many of those chances. Uh, but then his movements are usually really good. But Lewandowski isn't making any good of those movements either lately. So I mean, uh, the doubt is going to be whether he starts Joao Felix or or he starts um, Ferran Torres because I, I see Rafinha definitely being uh, started on the right wing. And Joao Felix there have been a lot of complaints, but again, uh, for me this season. He's been one of the most regular players uh, for most part. It's true that lately he hasn't looked as good. But I mean, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Xavi in the end trusts him because he's he's got quality and maybe something special or extra different that Ferran maybe doesn't have. Yeah, I, I just think that with both Lewandowski and Felix in the side, you just cannot press because, I mean, Lewandowski doesn't have the legs for it, I don't think, and Joao Felix doesn't have the attitude. True. I mean... 
it, it's so so I think it for Xavi it's a choice between what kind of setup you go with and mm. what kind of movement you but want. But then honestly I mean, sorry Barca haven't don't press very well. I mean they they press no. they try and press <laughs> but their pressing is quite chaotic. So I mean even if they go for a more pressing system and want to recover the ball up high, I'm worried that that's going to turn into counterattacks because sometimes that pressing is is quite poor to be honest. Yes, no, I, I fully agree there. But I, I personally would probably have uh, Ferran Torres in and then Joao Felix as kind of a, a joker to kind of come in. Um, <laughs> but uh, we'll we'll wrap things up there because we are running out of time again. There is that Basque derby there. And just to note on that, if Athletic Club were to win, they would remain in fourth. Real Sociedad would be nine points behind them. And for context, in the 20th round last season, Real Sociedad were 10 points ahead of Athletic Clubs and having beaten Athletic at the start of the year in 2023. So big, big game there at San Mamés. Really important one. Whichever way that goes is going to probably have a big impact on their positions at the end of the season. But Roman, thank you very much for your time. Thanks uh, as always. It was a pleasure. And as I said before, Happy New Year to everyone. And let's hope for a lot of great football. We will be back on Thursday or Friday even reviewing the Supercopa games and everything that happened in them. Thank you very much for joining us. Make sure you go and subscribe to our Substack if you do want to be part to listen to that uh, Thursday recap and also keep across all of our written work which is coming out on the Substack too. Many thanks for joining us and uh, Feliz Año and Bon An as well. Have an excellent week. Adios. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 